0: hey everyone it's Jaime Alejandro and I am joined by Maddie who is my wife (laughs) how are you
1: good I wasn't expecting that uh, (laughs) that introduction
0: we gotta work on it we gotta have something with a little pizzazz a little bit of practice.
1: yeah. Not right now. Do you don't know, okay.
0: <laughs> I was I was thinking this might be a really, really good time to do it.
1: Welcome to Our Kids Asleep, guys.
0: Thank you. That sounded great. That sounded amazing. <laughs> so we had a couple of things on our mind. We hope that you folks had a wonderful holiday weekend, a nice long weekend, hopefully. Um we didn't do turkey this year.
1: No, we didn't. This is
0: a big development, so I figured we might as well talk about it.
1: Yeah, my family is um Against turkey. And nobody likes it.
0: I love that we had this epiphany. We looked at each other, all of us, and like, do any of you folks like turkey? Everyone was like, I hate it. I fucking can't stand turkey.
1: I have to douse it in gravy to to like it at all.
0: They're very aggressive. I don't like them in general. And not even in in death. I'm not fond of them.
1: Yeah, so we decided this year that um, plus, there's a turkey shortage anyway, and they're more expensive anyway this year. So, um, we decided to do Cornish game hens instead.
0: You know, not to sound completely fatalistic about it, but I, I actually had this this realization of <laughs> looking at the little Cornish game hen right there in front of me. It felt like a more spiritual thing, where you were looking at this this little hen that was running around and now it's given its life to feed me Mm -hmm. like there was a a real kind of emotional thing there is that
1: because you could see the whole thing
0: you could see yeah exactly it's not taken apart it's not pulled into little pieces it is an actual full thing that was once alive
1: it also didn't help that my mom has a baby monitor in the dining room (laughs) so that she can hear the chickens in the backyard so
0: that was the most hilarious thing surreal uh, your dad did the grace thing, and immediately we start eating, and you just hear the chickens in the background, like cluck
1: cluck 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 cluck. Ambient clucking. <laughs> just admit, that is if you the didn't most. Feel bad enough.
0: I love that your brother pointed that out, and it was the most <laughs> morose thing ever. It, it was so random. It was very funny, but I think there it brought out the the general idea that I have about a better kind of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. that is more in tune with. The things that the earth gives us, which is more of an indigenous way of looking at things and being grateful for the harvest and the end of the season, and a lot of these things that for me have always felt like have been pushed to the fringes of what Thanksgiving has become, and so it was kind of nice. I thought it was it was really awesome, and it tasted way better.
1: Yeah,
0: it, it was just way more delicious.
1: Yeah, um, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but. I guess that is kind of, it, it. you know, I mean, turkey is traditional, but we were just like, no one's telling us we have to have turkey for yeah, this meal. Yeah. I mean, but,
0: but that's the thing is like, why did we do it for the longest time? Yeah. Even though we hated it because it's tradition. And then you go out of your way and you realize being with your loved ones, having a sense of community and gratitude, that is deeper than the traditional version of Thanksgiving. And yeah. I appreciated that a lot more. Yeah, actually, I did too. Yeah, and it's always great being with your family. I mean, it's a, it's always a a wonderful time. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's my several cents on on the new Thanksgiving. We're saying goodbye to turkey forever. See you later. I don't think we're gonna see that damn bird again, and I'm very grateful for that.
1: Yeah, we might do prime rib next year or something.
0: Yeah, that sounds lovely too. <laughs> I'm not gonna say no to that. Yeah. So. Aside from that, there were a few other things on our mind, at least for me. Uh, This has been a season of conflict, inner conflict for me, because the 2022 World Cup began this month, and if anyone knows me, you know that I have been a soccer, football fan for a very long time, and this is so difficult to talk about because... I know, and any football player, any person who follows football knows how rife it is with corruption and bullshit, and these horrific figures that are ruining the game, and they only care about profits, even in the face of tragedy. You know what's unfolding right now in in Qatar is is pretty disgusting, like pretty brazenly disgusting, and for me to feel like (laughs) so excited about this with so much sin in it is, is pretty depressing. I feel like I feel bipolar. I feel like I have these moments of elation when I see that this country is playing this other country, but then I also feel like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to invest in this, but uh, you've seen me. I mean, I don't know how manic it feels like I have the laptop and then I shut it and then I don't want to look at it. And then, you know, I don't know what your perception of it has been.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, we've been talking about this for a while because it's been known for a while that Qatar was going to be hosting this World Cup and that it was um, clearly um, not because they deserve it, right? but mostly because they bribed FIFA. Um, And, you know, for a while, I didn't even think you were going to watch it. And, um, you know, I think it's hard because, you know, it only happens every few years, what, four mm-hmm. years? Right. And, um, right. you know, it's a, it's like the biggest event in the soccer world, in the football world. And right. it's really important to soccer fans. And it to have it be kind of besmirched by this, Yeah. By this FIFA shit is so, like, it's so depressing.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking about this earlier yesterday because Mexico played against Argentina and it was a huge, massive game. Mexico fans don't mess around, neither do Argentinian fans. It it was the biggest attendance at a World Cup game since 1994. Since the final in 1994 by about maybe 10,000 fans. So we're talking like... 80,000 plus people in Qatar who are not from there, who traveled the world to go see their teams um, in this sort of act of, of complete lunacy and fantasy and and dreaming, right? They, they want to go and have a good time. And for me personally, those are the moments where I can sit down and talk to my dad and we, we actually have something that we can talk about. And that's why it's so difficult for me because I was sitting there waiting for the game and I'm like, I'm going to talk to my dad about this. It's going to be great. We're going to catch up. It's going to be a segue into other areas of his life. It's going to be wonderful. But then, you know, you you have those those opportunities and maybe it's just like me being lazy and not coming up with other reasons to talk to my dad. But at the same time, it's like I grew up with the World Cup being something that is that means a lot to me. Um, because I've mentioned this to you too, the idea of two countries, two peoples who wouldn't otherwise get a chance to be in the same place is something that, that is magical, absolutely magical, especially if you're outside of the arts. I think a lot of us people who are, who are exposed to that are open to civilizations, to cultures that are outside of our own but the lay person does not get those experiences as much as we do, and to see somebody in Qatar who is from Mexico dancing with a you know a Muslim individual over there—I mean, those are powerful images because normally when you hear of these countries, they're in the middle of a war, it's in the middle of a disaster, or something horrific happening to them, and it's never a picture of joy. It's never a picture of like something that is bringing people together. And maybe I'm a um, idealist about this stuff, but it definitely gives me a, a, a bittersweet feeling, you know, especially with the, you know, the way the Qataris and you and I have talked about this a lot. The um, the issues with anti-LGBTQ sort of restrictions that they have and them forbidding the teams from wearing one love armbands. During the games, and there's a lot of tension because the players themselves they don't they didn't want it to be there. I think a majority of them didn't, but they're looking at getting sanctions if they speak up, you know, or if they present any kind of protest about important like issues on their like team? that. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah. Does that just mean they won't be able to play?
0: They could. They could get sanctions. So, like, if somebody does it, I know that um, FIFA threatened to sanction the individual countries Mm. by either fining or banning the captains of Mm. the teams. Uh, That was one thing that they were threatening to do, Mm -hmm. but I, I'm not sure, you know, what else? I just knew that like England, the Netherlands, and I think maybe Germany were looking to, to ban or sue something to that effect. But there's, there's a lot of that discord happening every other day. Yeah.
1: Um, I also think like, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about Qatar. I didn't know a lot about, um, you know, the, I don't know, there was a few articles that came out leading up to the World Cup starting that um, kind of highlighted the the issues Um Mm -hmm. for, you know, foreigners going into Qatar. Um, You know, the beer thing was one thing that came up. Yeah, that was a Um, huge issue. You know, two days before the World Cup, Qatar uh, switched. They did a reversal and were not going to allow beer to be served in the stadiums. Um, And then, like, at the same time, you can still get alcohol, but only in those luxury boxes where people pay, you know, a lot of money to be in there.
0: Yeah. And I was looking at that article with, uh, with your dad the other day uh, at Thanksgiving. And there was a picture of a warehouse full of Budweiser beer, Mm -hmm. which has been the official beer for the world cup for decades, for a very long time. They, they got like, it was $75 million worth of beer. It was a, ridiculous amount of beer but they're gonna sue fifa because they already had that in place Mm -hmm. and i think it's so disgusting that obviously the government it's their land their rules that's they call the shots whatever but they knew this was coming i mean fifa must have known this was coming even though you know at one point in time they said okay maybe we'll allow beer fifa must have known these people are well, and the yeah. fucked
1: up thing is, like, when the World Cup was in Brazil, FIFA forced the Brazilian government to change their laws right. about alcohol consumption and selling, and Brazil yeah. did it. So what's the difference between Qatar and Brazil?
0: The ridiculous amount of money at hand. Yeah. And obviously, there, there's a lot of payouts happening. It wouldn't surprise me to find out maybe 5, 10 years from now that there were a disgusting amount of, pay, of payouts. Mm-hmm. But I had also mentioned this to you. This is the most expensive World Cup by the widest margin by about 15 times the last couple of World Cups because on average, we're looking at $2 to $5 billion to 5000000000 dollars And that's how much
1: money the country invests to have the World Cup there. Right.
0: Whether they need new stadiums or infrastructure or preparations in, in general to their tourism infrastructure. The Qatar World Cup is an estimated $220 billion. Jesus. Billion dollars.
1: And do they know why it's so high for them?
0: I have no idea. I think that realistically they lack the infrastructure so it's not just stadiums and things of that nature but but proper tourism infrastructure to handle the estimated 1.5 million people who will be showing up for the next month over the next month and
1: that clearly wasn't enough because people are still flying in from other places yeah like cities that are nearby
0: and it, it sounds crass of of me to to address the numbers first before talking about the, the biggest sacrifice, which is the 6,500 people who died mm-hmm. building those stadiums. Yeah, people I mean, who that, weren't being paid, people who were on the books. Immigrants yeah. from Pakistan and, and um, other parts of Africa or neighboring countries who really lost their lives in horrific conditions, in the heat, and, you know, without potential pay, um, the authorities there. I mean, wh- what's there to say that hasn't been said already? Um, just awful situations. But for for us over here in the in the Western world, I mean, it, it is a position of privilege. But but again, you know, it it is something special. Mm-hmm. But difficult for me to reconcile that even though yes, I watch the Mexico games. I've watched some games. I feel guilty as shit. Mm -hmm. you know there's no pleasure in this (laughs) you know there's there's it's taken away yeah but um yeah i i don't know i i still don't know what the answer is because fifa is the one organization that will be bringing these events forever i mean there's no other viable governing body of the sport. Right, right. Thing right.
1: you could go to to watch games like this. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I think the sad part about this is that many of the folks who are a fan of the sport will forget about it the moment the ball starts rolling and will not feel as conflicted or as guilty about any of this. Um, you know, and, and that's really how it goes. I mean, the the price of... Something like this will go unnoticed and we will have a good time for a month and then see until the next four years, Mm -hmm. which will be here. It'll be Mexico, Canada, and the U.S., Mm -hmm. a joint World Cup for the first time ever. Well, Korea, Japan was the first one, but this one's three countries. Mm. Just kind of weird. And they're expanding it.
1: Oscar, stop. I don't have your Oscar. Go away.
0: Sorry, our cat Oscar is fighting and trying to get his mouse he thinks he i don't have it it's behind you dude (laughs) it's behind you look behind you
1: yeah i think um one of the most i mean not to harp on this too much but um i was reading about obviously like the lgbtq thing is um a big issue um but also just the treatment of women um like essentially (laughs) if you let's say like the thing that I think that was the most um, con- like disconcerting to me was that if you were a pregnant woman mm-hmm. um, and you, let's say you have like a medical emergency and you need uh, medical attention.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you can't prove that you're married on paper, then they will not give you medical attention. <laughs> like yeah. that is crazy. Yeah. And I was like, so what you're saying is don't go over there if you're pregnant. <laughs>
0: yeah. It-
1: um Yeah, it was that was bananas. I couldn't believe the the shit that they get away with uh legislating against women. But um Right. You know, I don't know, it's their country, their rules, I guess. But
0: Yeah. And that's that's another thing. We we arrived to this nation with what we know to be right and wrong but that is its own country and I think that there is a a futility to a western visitor going to this country and expecting things to work out in an act of activism when they're there because there's a lot of folks who you know they have the the armband or you know things like that but there are serious repercussions that I do worry for their safety because they're not going to bend to what we know to be true and correct. They will continue to do what, what they understand to be, to be true. And that's a difficult thing to accept. But if there is a conversation to be had, it has to be from our leaders, from the people in Western nations to acknowledge Look, this is a shit show that is being allowed to happen in this century, in this modern age. And I don't know if it's enough for activists to risk their lives out there because I don't know how much impact it's it's going to have, but I could be very jaded. I could be, you know. Well, and I, I think just I the
1: idea that a country with laws like that was rewarded by being put on the biggest world stage. Yeah. That is offered. Yeah. Is pretty fucked up. And simply because they had the money to bribe an organization to make that happen.
0: That is correct. Um so and that's that's the disgusting part of it. The corruption is in full display. And then you have the president of FIFA himself the day of the opening ceremonies where he said he had probably the biggest gaffe I've ever seen anyone, and he thought he was doing the right thing. I think that's the delusion where he goes up there and to declare some kind of generic statement about being with everyone or understanding everyone's plight. He says, "Today I am feeling gay. Today I feel like an immigrant. Today I feel like this or that," and he mentions like a whole bunch of 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 different, I, <laughs> I guess minorities guess. or or you know different folks. And he says, I empathize with you because I was made fun of when I was a, a kid, when I grew up a redhead. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what, <do you> t- <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, dude? You feel like an immigrant that worked himself to death because you were Made you were fun a redhead? of for being a ginger. Like, get out of here. <laughs> You're bald now. That's not even an excuse. <laughs> what are you doing? But that's the kind of... Lack of awareness, yeah, disconnect,
1: yeah,
0: and yeah, they these people have no interest in Oscar and the common folk. We're gonna have to lock him up.
1: Go away, I don't have your mouse,
0: it's behind you, dummy. All right, goodbye. Okay, he's not listening, he's gonna go and chew on our tree. That's his favorite thing to do, yeah, but anyway. I think that I will continue to feel a tremendous amount of guilt. I will try to keep it to a minimum. And hell, Mexico is going to get disqualified anyway because they brought their worst team in the last 40 years. And uh, I get no pleasure in this at all. So <laughs> there you have it. That's my punishment. Yeah. But I, um, we'll see what happens. If there's any repercussions to be had, I just hope that nobody goes missing yeah. in the World Cup, you know, or nobody's passport gets you know confiscated or something like that but yeah we'll we'll see we'll see what happens,
1: yeah, people are comparing it to
0: Firefest, yeah, like yeah. like <laughs> accommodations <laughs>
1: with better sandwiches, I guess,
0: oh man. <laughs> yeah it's it's hilarious, but I think it's it's fine. It is what it is. Who knows? <laughs> I'm not even there. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you have it folks. That's uh what we know so far of the World Cup. We might get back to it once we get to the tail end, get some more news, but stick around because Maddie's got another thing on the list and the second item to talk about. and we will not be toasting a tink. To the world cup no. because fuck fifa yeah for ruining everything
1: <laughs> so i had a couple other like smaller topics that i had thought about the first one is a little bit lighter um <laughs> 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 um and we've just been kind of like trying to figure out like what streaming services because there's a lot like what streaming services actually deserve getting our money every month and, you know, we have, I think we pay for two, mm-hmm. Netflix and uh, Disney Plus. And we have HBO through a friend. Um, and.
0: So this is the dilemma. We look at these streaming services and find that a lot of it is filler. I think that's the biggest complaint and it's just a matter of deciding what has the most filler and what is not to our taste. What's not up our alley anymore.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people would agree that like we spend an inordinate amount of time scrolling and not really finding much to watch. Yes. Um, You know, and I think the biggest for me, the biggest culprit of that is
0: Netflix. Um, Oscar, get down. He's going to step on the mixer. I know. And he's going to ruin everything. He's rowdy tonight, folks. Yes. Yeah, I have to um, apologize for my stupid cat. He <laughs> was wild. Um, wild style.
1: Yeah, so I think the thing uh, so okay, so I think of the ones that we have HBO is the strongest. Mm. Um it has the most uh high caliber content, I think. Um, and I don't know. I always find myself there.
0: Because to this day, I think that it probably doesn't have as much as Disney Plus or Netflix, but the quality of content is way better than all the other ones. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I don't remember much about Hulu or Amazon video when we had it, but it, it left me wanting you know there was always something lackluster about hulu offering you commercials even though you were paying and i know that disney's going to be doing that soon and so is netflix they already have their commercial tier yeah and so at the end of the day you you really are going back to cable Yeah. once again and that's pretty ridiculous given yeah. that you're paying probably more than what people did with well, cable well
1: i think if you put it all together you probably are you know if you're mm-hmm. paying for all of those yes you know hbo netflix hulu amazon prime apple uh tv plus or whatever it is yeah um it's a lot it can really add up right. um but i think yeah i don't know disney plus is great if you have kids um it does make accessing disney's catalog way easier um so i think you know for us disney plus makes sense um and then netflix the only thing i really find valuable about netflix is the amount of comedy that it's fostered mm-hmm. um, that it's kind of become the new comedy central the new hbo in terms of new
0: specials and they do have a tradition of Of producing a lot of comedy yeah but
1: but in terms of like original content
0: it's not great and they always cancel stuff yeah so you know why get started on a show when you you may not get the ending of it right yeah
1: yeah so i don't know we're kind of going back (laughs) and forth about what we actually want to spend our money on yeah um but
0: i think netflix is going yeah, I, I think,
1: think so too. I think I could live without it.
0: Yeah. Disney I, Plus and HBO will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Um
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's we funny. put an end to that real quick. It's just funny, like how streaming services are just it now. You know, like there's no other way people watch uh watch movies or listen to music or watch TV.
0: Yeah, and, and we got to talking about Spotify and how that is the one app that we give a lot of money to because it has a lot of music that we can, that we can't find anywhere else. Yeah. And that's ridiculous because they don't pay anyone anything. Yeah. And, and you always wonder, where's the money going? Who are you paying? Yeah. Oh, shell shareholders. Yeah. You know, the stock people.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's like alternatives, like Bandcamp is a big one. Right. Um, that I think actually pays artists more, than and they yeah, does. they're
0: they're the independently geared yeah. sort of um, offering yeah. Um, but if you're looking for music from a specific time period, or or say like obscure shit from the the '70s or mm. things like that, you're not going to find it on Bandcamp.
1: So I guess Apple Music and like Tidal are the like the the yes. main like direct competitors
0: with Spotify. Absolutely. Yes. And you know, they're they're not perfect either. They are looking to get your money as well. Well,
1: streaming is bad for artists. I mean, there's there's no way around that, mm-hmm.
0: unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, when was the last time you listened to a CD or a record? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's just become the standard for how we listen to music. Yeah.
0: Um I don't know, man. It's it's kind of a bummer because I think that while ushering this era of of opportunity for viewing experiences, I think the artists are the ones who who suffer the most and don't get their fair share of the pie. But I think for us, it just makes more sense because we still have a kid, we got to keep Disney+, and we got to watch cool shit on HBO. That's that's about it. Yeah. I would have liked to finish a Range on Amazon before we canceled it because it really, it really was something else. It was special.
1: But that's the issue I think I have with streaming is like you get a streaming service to watch one show. Right. You know, like for the longest time, we were yeah. only watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Prime. I haven't watched any show since or before that on Amazon yeah. Prime. And... You know, I really want to watch Severance, but it's on Apple, whatever, Apple Plus or whatever it's called. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm just not going to watch it because I'm not paying for Apple Plus. Um, You know, and so I don't know. I'm just not willing to buy into the model that you have to have all of these streaming services to have access to all of this content Mm -hmm. when in reality, you're going to sit there on Friday night and not find anything to watch.
0: That's just a bummer, man.
1: So I don't know, man, I think uh, we could all do with just going on more walks (laughs) (laughs) and not watching as much TV anyway. So
0: forget it,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is kind of rich coming from someone who lives in the Rocky mountains in the middle of winter, but um yeah it's still fun anyway streaming
0: anyway streaming that's our answer we are eliminating a handful and uh we'll see what happens yeah
1: um
0: the other thing i was i
1: wanted to touch on was something i thought about the other day you know i was uh i was on my work email app Mm -hmm. and i noticed a new feature it's the Outlook app. And I noticed that you can now react to someone's email. Not reply, react. <laughs> like you can hit a little <laughs> smiley face. Right. And give like a thumbs up or a smiley or a sad face.
0: You're like, hey, JKL. To
1: someone's email. And I was like, what is happening? And then I noticed you can um, mention someone. Mm. In an email, you know, like if you, if you're addressing the email to someone and then you mention someone else, you can at them (laughs) so that they're aware that they were mentioned in an email if they didn't look at it or whatever. And I realized that this is part of, I mean, maybe, yeah, I'm not saying I invented this term, but the gamification of work is something that I've noticed over the last few years um you know things like microsoft teams which is essentially like social media for work mm-hmm. um i mean you can literally like use gifs and stuff <laughs> to like react to your coworkers' comments
0: yeah and you're like i don't want to do this yeah, i just want to like, work yeah get my work done and <laughs> let it be for it's god's like, sake it's a
1: space to work online and have fun with your coworkers. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't, why does everything have to be a game? Like, why can't I just work? Like, yeah. do work here. But, um, yeah, like, I don't understand why everything is going into this model. Like, if you're, if you're collaborating online, which most of us are, why does it have to all be in the format of Facebook?
0: Well, this is my theory on it that, well, it's I, I think it's, it's common knowledge now at this point that it is the one thing that keeps people's attention, social media, in one way or another. So to borrow little things from various social media apps will make Microsoft Teams a bit more enjoyable or a bit more like like a friendlier experience that's more approachable and people won't won't want to shut it you know out of rage that they're having to work but rather look I'm having an experience because everything's about having an experience and sharing it with anyone and everything look here's my community right this this sort of fake sense of community where like if you put a smiley face in there then that's that's real you know that's a real bond you mm-hmm. know yeah rather than work
1: yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess I definitely understand, like, the attention thing. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times you're just trying to, like, focus on something. And there's a hundred other things that are trying to get your attention. Mm. You know, Teams and your email and all this other stuff. Yeah. And so, so you turn off notifications so that you can focus.
0: Right. So let me ask you this. When you saw that little smiley face for a moment, where you like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Did you feel any good? Like before you went into, ah, fuck, I, I'm still at work. You know, <laughs> the illusion broke. No, I didn't. <laughs> I was just like, why You're are they mad. liking my reaction? <laughs> like my
1: email had, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's not how email works.
0: Get this out of my life.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just seems it's very transparent. What's going on here. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like it
0: yeah but you don't have a choice yeah this is the way the world is moving now and you know i i'm i'm not saying that fairly indifferent about it now even yeah. you know i i use gmail a lot for work and and for personal and i think it's just going to be this downward spiral mm. Where-
1: i mean i'm you know i think obviously it's nice that Work is more online I mean it does give give employees more leeway and you know there's not i'm not saying that teams that teams in particular is not a good platform to work on it it can be useful um and particularly in an office like mine where a lot of no one is in the same place mm-hmm. um it makes collaborating easier yeah um I just think. I don't know is is that really like what they need to do to get people to work is is I
0: think that's just such a massive problem right now because it is a cultural shift on a scale that we've never seen before because the workplace and the workforce are at odds with each other there is there is a feeling that folks who don't want to work are lazy and folks who Run offices can't find good candidates, but I, I think there's a massive disconnect because the needs are not in the right place. Yeah, I think this generation is waking up to the idea that time with their loved ones is more important than capitalism or even making a lot of money. Um, and that you know, the uh, going against the the hard work ethic that is required to keep capitalism going is something that younger people are not willing to subscribe to. Yeah. And they would rather have 10 roommates and live in a big city and enjoy their lives at a slower pace or go on more vacations or just take time as long as they're surviving, but not thinking of the future. Mm. I do believe, though, and this is just my wild conspiracy thought on this the this is going to sound so fatalistic but younger generations get to a point when they're no longer a younger generation when it's sink or swim time yeah and they say am i going to go on this path forever or am i going to join the ranks of of capitalism yeah because that's the only model we have it is it is the thing that That guides us. Not that it's good or bad. I'm not an advocate of capitalism fully and in this current incarnation by any means. But you get to a point where you're 29, you're in your 30s maybe, and you start to see that the system is built to strengthen capitalism. And that's it. Anything outside of that, you're going to find opposition. You're going to find tension in your own life if you choose to go that route. And if you get, have the courage to do that, that's awesome. But capitalism breaks you down. Capitalism and our new, in our world is built to break people so that they become cogs in the machine. Yeah. And so that's when the real shift is going to come to a head in about 10 more years when this generation decides it's time to work or they're going to say, nope, I'm not going to buy into this shit. And then we'll really see if, if they're as committed. In either way, I'm not going to judge them because life is hard. Life is stupid hard. And it shouldn't be this hard. That's that's why I think it's so unfortunate. Mm. Because the younger generation, they have good ideas. Like a four-day work week. Maybe they, they can get enough momentum to make those things a reality. Yeah, Four-day work week. Like they were doing in... Um, I know we don't like the franchise. I know we're not advocating for this, just dear listener. No. Um, what's the um, the the religious uh, fast food place? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. There was a, an owner of a branch or a um, franchise, franchise who decided to do three days on, four days off. Like 16-hour days or something mm-hmm. for three days. And gave people four days off. Mm. He said that he had hundreds of applications in the first couple of days in his wow. somewhere in the South. Uh-huh. And I think that at least seeing an example like that, again, very specific and may not apply to every um, industry or type of work, but that's the kind of flexibility that employers need to look for to entice younger people to be a part of their their business Mm -hmm. and to commit because anyone will go and and take a spot be a placeholder right just give you the bare minimum but if you want people of this new generation to commit to your job you got to give them options you got to give them flexibility something so that they can actually live their life in this new world that we're living in Mm. I don't know what you think about that. That's
1: interesting. Like, I didn't. um, It was like clearly the millennials have fallen in line because nothing has changed.
0: Yeah, I mean that's Um, what happens. I mean, it's happened to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We were like, ah, fuck the man or whatever. Yeah,
1: that's lame. (laughs) Now we're like, doo doo doo. We have a mortgage, (laughs) a child. We have to fall in line. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is not up to the to the younger ones now.
0: But I think that's the pace of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um the older we get, the more difficult it is to change our thinking. Yeah. The more concerned we become with our choices and we get more careful, more conservative. Not that, you know, you or I are getting more conservative, I think we we just acknowledge, you know, the reality as as we get older it's more difficult to make big choices yeah. and the younger generations are made of those big choices. That's why it's so beautiful to be young and to do big shit when you're young. So if there's anything that I will impart on anyone who's younger than 25, that's the time, man, go protest, go make big choices, go be an activist, go do things in your community that will make it better and make impact so that by the time you get a little bit older, you'll have more of a, a swell of energy and more of a momentum to guide you where you need to be because it's way harder to make a change later in life. Yeah, But I do think that younger generations will always push us in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I don't think capitalism will ever fully win. Right. It's just what we have right now. Mm -hmm. so that's not to say that it's infallible it definitely isn't yeah but now i've gotten into the the weeds of something (laughs) i don't know where we're at we're in some kind of capitalist cornfield over here (laughs) (laughs)
1: but i think but i think that is um the big picture when you look at things like gamifying work you know Mm -hmm.
0: to that's one approach yeah. yeah
1: And and you know, making work fun and making it like like Facebook and making yeah, it, making it something that <laughs> And is- I
0: I bet you that some marketer in Microsoft was like, This is how we're gonna pitch teams yeah. to our new to our new corporation mm-hmm. that's gonna be buying the package for the next fifteen years to get, you know, shitty Microsoft office anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a rationale there where they know we gotta lighten the load a little bit. So if we give yeah. them an emoji, you know, maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll want to work that if extra hour. We, if
1: we let them use the David Rose GIF <laughs> to their coworker, maybe they'll have a yeah. little bit of fun.
0: Oh my God, it's oh. Friday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that was yeah, just some thoughts we had about work and yeah. the things we use to work.
0: What a shit show, huh? Yeah, What Work. a curious, interesting shit show.
1: Working is lame. Um, <laughs> that's my two cents. Um, so the last thing on our list is um, a movie we watched over the break um, called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On.
0: Let me hear your thoughts on this because you've clearly heard mine the last five days.
1: <laughs> um. So I do remember seeing this trailer uh, a while ago before I saw it. And, you know, my first reaction was, huh? (laughs) And then I watched the trailer for a little bit longer. And then I was like, okay, I'm fully on board with this. And uh, we finally watched the full movie. This is an A24 movie, which is, that company is kind of known for doing, Outside the box, yeah, big different things, uh, different films, and um, God. So, if you haven't seen the trailer for this movie, essentially, it's about a. It's told from the perspective of a documentarian, who is living in this house with this little shell named Marcel and it literally is just like a little shell with an eye and he's wearing little shoes (laughs) and it's like Marcel and his grandma and they live in this house and um it's um it was one of the more it was so like magical Mm. and um it felt so grounded at the same time. Like it was, um, it just felt like, like you just wanted to live in that world mm-hmm. the whole time. You were like, I wish I had a little shell living in my house, <laughs> you know? Um, but it was such a, a sweet story. And, um, you know, our son watched it with us and it felt like it, it handled these really difficult topics in a way that a young child could understand Mm -hmm. and could benefit from hearing it told that way. Yeah. You know, loss and grief and, um, hope and looking toward the future and, you know, your life continuing on even after a loss and that kind of thing. And, um, I don't know, like it managed to be deep and at the same time funny and sweet and um, just really like a revelation of a movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it, it was a movie that I was very taken with because of those things that you said. And, and primarily the idea that we are spoon-fed a lot of things in traditional films mainstream films and a24 while i know that maybe some executive in the company doesn't really know what the hell is going on with their movies they always say to the filmmaker i trust you go do the film that you need to make go make the thing that is important to you the way that you see it and it was so necessary for this character to take on that form to live in that world, to be manifested in that way, because it felt so honest and, and real. And in its weirdness, there was a, a like a lot of approachability. It wasn't weird for the sake of being weird. It was endearing because it was true. And it happened to be a little weird, you know, but it was that quirkiness, that kind of strangeness that made you appreciate how special And non-traditional it it is. And on the topic of death, I mean, I love it when a family movie takes a big leap like that and doesn't shy away from something that is is rarely talked about. We don't talk about death enough in our society. We're scared of it. We don't want to confront it. And movies like that, stories like that are so important because our kids need to know that's a part of life. Don't shy away from that. And it also helps that not only was it well written, but the performances and the direction was brilliant, but it strengthened the truth of that confrontation. When a cute little endearing character is coming to terms with that, you feel for them, but you're also asking questions about your own life and your own mortality and you know, having those conversations with your kids. So when we do have those conversations with our son, we'll be on the same page, you know, or at least equal footing mm-hmm. because they did a really beautiful job of of approaching it, you know. And uh, I really did like Isabella Rossellini's character in that. He, uh, she plays Marcel's grandma, who is like the older shell, and she has her Italian accent and they have that really funny joke where <laughs> they're saying how like um, she was a shell who who came from the garage. That's why her <laughs> accent's different. And yeah. I completely lost it. That was just hilarious. Um, but there was a lot of poetry in that movie. There's a lot of not only visually, but just in, in Marcel's perception of the world. It was just so... Eloquent and sweet, and you felt like your heart welling up a little bit because it does give you this this sense of, I guess a celebration of life mm-hmm. you know, and what you do have. You know I think that's what that's why I like it so much because they did the best they could with what they had. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think that's sort of a philosophy of life that I subscribe to that I really enjoy. But that's a damn good movie mm-hmm. and it's a family movie, so go watch it with your kids. yeah, enjoy it.
1: yeah I think um personally, what like resonated with me the most in that movie was Marcel's realization of how big the world is like yeah. I had I remember <laughs> I remember being a kid and then learning that the world was bigger than my neighborhood you know what I mean (laughs) like I remember that realization like oh there's more to the world than what's beyond our street Mm -hmm. you know or my school or yeah you know and that when they're on the hill in the car looking over a neighborhood in Los Angeles and Marcel coming to terms with like oh this is this is really big. <laughs> and then uh, like the documentarian explaining, like this is just one city, one part of one city in the world. And there's just, lots of cities just that and, like that yeah. silence of when she, he's just like, Oh, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like that realization was so familiar to me. Yeah.
0: And in the context of Marcel being this tiny little guy that, that's when it really hit Mm -hmm. that's when they were able to share with you this is this is how insignificant one could feel Mm -hmm. if you know looking at it from from that vantage point but again the beauty of that is in spite of his size he continues Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't give up yeah it's just ah so beautiful Mm -hmm. so well done Oscar, you better not topple anything. We're having a good one. (laughs) So, um, yeah, folks, uh, please go check it out. That is uh, a well-recommended one. And we are going to tink to that. We didn't tink to the last thing, but hey. There we go. Rock and roll. (laughs) So what do you think? Do you think we covered our bases? Do you think we did what we needed to do? Yeah, I think we did. Nice. Well... If you want to share some thoughts, folks, we're still getting back into the swing of things. So if there's something that you'd like us to talk about, something you'd like us to review, please go ahead and let us know or air your grievances at the email.
1: Ourkidsasleep at gmail.com.
0: Yes, folks, go check it out. But we hope you had a wonderful time this last Thanksgiving Gratitude Week. And we really can't wait to talk to you soon. Good night, guys. Bye.